Hey guys, and welcome to Lance Mental Chat, episode five. Um, firstly, I'm going to say that this isn't the episode that I intended to do. I recorded an episode with one of my good friends, and we talked about some subjects that was is brought to light to me by other parties. That it's probably not the best thing to talk about right now, and not with the agenda that I'm sort of trying to go through here and the mission that I'm trying to go for. Um, so I thought I'd reel that back in. I'd take on that advice and really listen to it because. I have got a clear objective that I want to go with here and that and that is helping people with mental health. So I am so fucking pleasured to have this guest on this week. Um it's my wife, Katie Jane Musgrove. You know, like you'll hear throughout this episode how we met and whatnot. Like I'm I'm so excited to have her. Like I've said before, seventy five percent of all male suicides in twenty twenty one sorry, seventy five percent of all suicides in twenty twenty one were male but 25% of them are women and looking at the analytics of my podcast so far 35% of those listeners are actually women so I thought this would be a great opportunity to get my wife on and give a female perspective on mental health because 25% of suicide is still way too fucking many and if we can help stop one in any of those areas then we are really making a difference so I'm really honoured to, to introduce you to my wife Katie Jane Hello Hi <laughs> Can we stop this? Why do you want Can to stop? I need a drink. She needs it. Do you know what, guys? I just got a little hit of pulls here, and we are going to go and get a drink. <laughs> right, hi guys, we're back. We have got refilled gins. We've gone for the Brazilian lime and lemonade. Exquisite choice, wouldn't you say, Katie? Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. How many gins have we got to choose from? Probably about 30. About 30 different gins. I mean, we're not even really very big drinkers, are we? I mean, this is no. probably the first time we've sat and drunk together properly, apart from the wedding, in a couple of months, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. months, yeah. It is, it is. You know, um, like I said in the intro, I'm really excited to have Katie on because one of the reasons I feel that me and Katie gel, gel so well as a couple is we've both been through the fucking mill and back. And we've both learned how to be content, functional, and normal human beings on our own without having anybody else around us. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, I'd like to start off by saying, one, one of the, I mean, you know this, one of the things I love about you more than anything is how brave, how strong, and how like courageous you are. Like, everything that that you've been through in your life that's made you the person that I love today, whether that be a, a personal journey, something that you haven't chosen that's happened or, or whatever, the way you've dealt with it, the way you've progressed and the way you've come through and the person you are today, you know, I mean, fuck, I've been married twice before I met you. I never wanted to get married again. And from this, from our second date, I could think nothing more about spending the rest of my life with you. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not actually a very big talker and that's why I need the gin. <laughs> So I've got my gin, so buckle up. Um, so yeah, so I met Matt five months ago, five and a bit months ago. And yes, we're already married. When you know, you know. When you know, you know, exactly. Um, I'd been on my own for six years because I had been through something fairly big. Um, I lost my partner of... Um, my daughter's dad, um, not her biological dad, but the dad that she grew up with and the person that she still to this day calls dad, um, in 2016 in a road traffic collision. Um, I say collision because I still wholeheartedly believe that he 
committed suicide. Um, he was on his motorbike and I was following him in my car on the way home from going and doing some shopping for him. Um, it's his birthday tomorrow, so I'm sorry if I get a bit emotional. Um, but yes, so that was a pretty traumatic thing that happened in my life. Um, but prior to that, our relationship had been pretty traumatic. Um, so I'm the daughter of a police detective. I've lived a fairly sheltered life, or I had lived a fairly sheltered life until I met him. Um, I met him in 2012. Yeah, the end of 2012. Um, not long after I'd separated from my ex-husband. Um, I also got married fairly young, like Matt did. I got married at 21. Um, my, I was married for five years during that time. My ex-husband had three affairs, one of those with my best friend, um, ex-best friend now, obviously, um, and one with my childminder who'd looked after my daughter for four years of her life from when she was four months old. Um, I very much considered her a friend. She was at our wedding. Um, she was also 20 years older than him. So it was quite a shock when I found out that they were having an affair. Um, but yeah, Lee, so Lee is my ex um, who died in the motorbike, on the motorbike. Um, and he came, came around pretty quickly after Carl, my ex-husband and I separated. Um, when I met him, it was quite a whirlwind. Um, I fell for him pretty quickly. I met him in the November and we moved in together in the May and it was in the May that I found out that he was a recovering heroin addict. Um, having lived a life as the daughter of a police officer, I'd been sheltered from a lot of what goes on in the world. Um, I thought that heroin addicts just existed on television. I didn't realise that it was everywhere. Um, and certainly not this normal guy or who seemed to be normal that I'd met, um, who was just lovely. So it wasn't until we were due to move in together in the May that I found out that he was a recovering heroin addict. He had to tell me because he had methadone in the fridge. So obviously I was going to ask questions. Um, he'd been clean for two years when I met him. Um, I was pretty blind to what being a heroin addict meant and I wasn't. I didn't have my eyes open to the fact that you are never recovered when you're an addict. Um, having never been addicted to anything like that in my life, I didn't know what it entailed. Um, he ultimately relapsed. Um, I spent a long time trying to get him clean again. Um, that in itself was pretty traumatic. Um, there were times when I would have to lock him in the house and um, there were times when he was trying to get clean um, and he was so ill to the point where I would actually, I have gone out and bought heroin for him um, because I genuinely thought he was gonna die. Um, yeah, anyway, it ended in his um, death in 2016 um, which is where my life pretty much fell apart um, 
because losing somebody that you're that close to is bad enough but being witness to it um i was in the car behind him when he had the when he when he hit the car um so he he rode into a car um oncoming vehicle his speedometer was clocked at like 93 miles an hour um we were in a 60 he was sorry it was a 30 limit just gone from a 60 to 30 he was in a 30 limit at the time um and he was completely on the wrong side of the road which is why i and it was a road that he drove every single day multiple times every single day so he knew the road inside out so that's why i think um that it was suicide rather than um an accident um and yeah he was completely on the wrong side of the road so he hit the hit the car head on on the passenger side of the vehicle the vehicle contained five people um, he died instantly and the people that were in the car fortunately um, were okay on the night we were told that they had life-changing injuries and and it didn't look good but actually they were all fine in the end so um, other than the mental scars actually they were okay it was yeah it was pretty traumatic but um, as a result of that I was diagnosed with PTSD um, fairly understandably I think um, and I got lost for many years after that. I didn't know how to deal with it. Um, Just to interject there, I, I, I don't think that anybody listening that may have gone through anything similar to, to what you've gone through there, babe, would know how to act, you know, and I think that's something quite vital to the mental health chat is the fact that you didn't know how to act there, but you probably felt quite alone. And in fact, you're actually not alone because anybody that had gone through that wouldn't know how to act. Yeah, We're not built and prepared for something like that. And the only way we ever learn how to go through things like that, hopefully, we we all hope we never do. And But the only way we learn and, and find out about these things is if we go through them and I can imagine at that time you felt very alone, like you were the only person that felt like that. Yeah, yes. So that was what I struggled with more than anything was the fact that actually, although this had happened to everybody that knew him and it had happened to everybody in his family and everybody that loved him, actually nobody could understand how I felt because I was the only one that was there. No, I mean, that's that's an added extra layer to it as well, isn't it? I mean, yeah. not only did you lose this person, you, you were witness to that, and nobody should ever have to be witness to anything like that, it, even from afar, let alone be a first-hand witness. And, you know, I, I, I can't begin to imagine the sort of pain and torment that you went through through that. And I think yeah. at, at the start when I said you're one of the strongest and most courageous people I know, that's that's one of the reasons, because... You know, I, I've heard your story and you're still here, you're still a great mum, you still run a business, you, you still smile every day, you still you still made me feel like the luckiest guy in the world and, yeah. you know, with what you've been through, that's, that's an absolute commitment to you. Yeah, I mean, yes. Where I am now, I can I can hold my head high because I'm still here and I'm still smiling and I'm still a mum and I still function. Um... But, as you know, I hold a lot of guilt for the years that I wasn't processing. Or, or I mean, it's not that I wasn't processing, it was that I didn't know how to process what had happened. Um, and so I 
my reaction to what happened was to not feel and so I spent a long time and by a long time I mean around four years I spent not being me not feeling not not processing I shut down Um, that was my defense mechanism I think to protect myself was to shut all of my feelings and my emotions down and unfortunately that also meant that I shut my feelings and emotions down to my family including my daughter Um, but I did have the awareness Mm -hmm. enough awareness of what was happening to me to to ask for help Um, and so my mum who I very sadly lost in October this year and my dad um, stepped in and we moved in with them because I couldn't function as a I was struggling to function as a person let alone as a mother Um, and I knew that I wasn't meeting my daughter's emotional needs Um, so we moved in with my mum and dad and they very much helped to um, bring Jazz up bring my daughter up Um, and I'm forever grateful to them for that because I dread to think what might ha- might have happened if I hadn't had the, the support from my family that I did have. Um, everyone had a helping hand of getting my daughter to where she is today. Um, and she is an amazing, amazing girl. Um, she's so strong because this happened to her too. She lost her dad. Um, and it's important to remember that, you know, that it didn't just happen to me, it also happened to her. Um, and not only did she lose her dad, she also lost her mum because I wasn't there. Because I was busy trying to function just as a human, just to just to get out of bed in the morning was a chore. And some days I, I didn't manage it. Um, there were days where I would literally just vegetate. I wouldn't move, I wouldn't wash, I wouldn't brush my teeth, I wouldn't brush my hair. Uh, to the point where at one point my hair was matted so badly I couldn't get a brush through it um, because just breathing was enough I couldn't do any more than that um, but I got through it and it it took a long time to process and after four years I gave myself a bit of a kick up the up the arse and was like no come on you've got a child you need to deal with this um, and so I just decided one day to start living again um so, you know like he- hearing you talk about it, it in that sort of in that sort of way which almost is a a way of a detriment to you and i've said this to you in the past you know like i understand why you feel like you'd failed in certain areas i understand that and listening to you right now i've got a bit more of a depth of understanding from that but at the same time i still stand by what i say you have a great daughter because because of you. If you hadn't had your mum and dad, Janie, Kate, or other people to rely on to help with jazz, you would have acted differently. Yeah. But because you knew you had a close-knit like family and friends that were going to help you and your daughter, yeah. it allowed you to take that step back because you knew everything was going to be okay for jazz. Yeah, and I do agree with that. I do agree with that. I think if I had been solely on my own and I had no family around me, uh, anyone who's out there that's a parent will know that you just do. Like, you just do whatever you have to do to make sure that your kids are okay. And I do think 
now I can I can say this but I do think that if I hadn't had my family around I wouldn't have got lost for so long because I would have had to just function and get on with it because I had my daughter but fortunately I had my family around which allowed me to process in the way that I did which isn't necessarily the right way to do it and I know that now and now that I've lost my mum under fairly not not similar circumstances in as much as it was quite as traumatic but I lost my mum very suddenly um in October um I I'm very fortunate that I'm 35 years old and I see I used to see my mum every single day she lives around the corner um and I would I would go there every day and they'd still have jazz every my daughter every day after school um and one Sunday afternoon I got a phone call from my dad to say your mum's fallen over can you go and pick your brother up to come and pick her up um and that phone call that day when I thought that we were just going around to help mum up resulted in her dying um which unfortunately I was witness to again um but this time round I learned a lot from last time um it's not something that anyone should have to go through twice in their life to be honest but the fact that I've been through it before with Lee and I had dealt with things in the way that I did with him I knew that I couldn't do that this time um this time I needed to do things differently I needed to let my myself feel whatever I was feeling at the time that I was feeling it so when Lee died I would push everything away all of the emotions I would bury if I was sad or angry or upset or whatever I would bury it I wouldn't let myself feel what I was feeling um I think a lot of that was to do with the fact that I wanted to put on a front a brave face um for my daughter but ultimately that resulted in me then not knowing how to feel and how to process um which made me just cold made me so cold i was i was awful to be around whereas this time round with mum i am feeling everything that i i'm allowing myself to feel everything that i feel so if i'm sad i'm sad if i'm having a low day i'm having a low day if i'm okay then i'm okay that's great but i'm going through that with my daughter this time so if I, if I am having a bad day I'll say to her Jazz I'm really sad about Nana today can we have a cuddle so that she knows that it's okay to be sad or if I'm having a cry you know she'll say well, what's up and I'll say I'm really sad I miss I miss Nana um and I think that that is helping her process too because she's understanding that actually however she feels is fine and it's okay and your feelings are valid you know I don't need to have a reason to have a bad day it can you know it can you don't have to have a reason to have a bad day you can just have a low day and that's fine but you just have to allow yourself to feel it um and acknowledge it because actually once you've acknowledged your feeling you can move past it it's if you try and suppress it that you end up stuck because you're not acknowledging, you're not giving any validation to that feeling. But actually, if you validate that feeling and you move through the motions with it and you process it, it passes and then your day can be better. Um, whereas if you're feeling bad and you try and suppress it, you're going to have a rubbish day because you're going to be feeling like, why am I feeling like this all day? Um, so that's what I'm trying to do differently this time. Um, I think it it's working so far. I am processing, I feel like I'm processing quite well.
I, I, yeah. I, obviously, I didn't know you when you were processing everything that happened before with Lee, but you've told me a lot about it and a, a lot about how you reacted and and how you you processed that at the time. And I think you have learned so much from that process and you are dealing with it a hell of a lot better now. You're allowing yourself to feel, you're allowing yourself to process the emotions and not hide from them. And I, th I think one of the vital lessons that people could take from this is, and let's be honest, most of the people listening to this aren't gonna have had the two extreme processes that you've had to go yeah. through, a partner and a mum, you know, they're not gonna have had that, but they are gonna have had situations where they've gone through something and not dealt with it right, and then they've gone through something again and they've learnt, or not necessarily learnt, but they, they don't even realise they've actually got better from yeah. that previous situation. And it, it really shows that if you can go through these two things, you feel like you didn't deal with the first one right, and like I've said to you many times, it's not that you didn't deal with it right, it was that it was new. Yeah, I didn't did, know how to You didn't to deal know how it. to yeah. deal with it. This was a brand new emotion for you. How you, how, we're not built, taught, like through school or anything like that, how to be equipped to deal with something like that. No. And what you did at the time was the best you could do with what you had in front of you. The experience you had behind you and what you had at hand, Yeah. that's how you dealt with it at the time. And then you've gone through this process with your mum, which I, I have been present for yeah. and I have been party to. And I've noticed that you have 100% learnt from your previous experiences and you have drawn on your actions before and you've gone, I've been through something like this before. I didn't like how I reacted at the time. I could have been better. I'm going to put that into action this time. Yeah. You know, and you have been like I, I've, I've said this to, to you to Kerry to Carl which is Katie's brother and sister the way that the three of you came together to be a support unit for your dad yeah and then like initially because you were all together and then after the first couple of days obviously your sister's gone back up to Cambridge Carl's gone back to his and, and you've still continued that process of going to your dad's every day like you did when it was your mum and dad's with jazz going after school the things you've done for your dad, the way you've helped him, the, the the amazing daughter you've been to help your dad through this, has been absolutely incredible. But but then you've come home, and you've looked at me and you've gone, I don't feel good about this. And you've had a cry, you've let it out, you've let me know how you yeah. feel. You know, some days you'll be really down and off and like not talk to me properly or anything like that. And then the next day you'll go, Babe, thanks for being patient with me yesterday. I was really having about an off day. Yeah. Didn't know how to process it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad that you didn't take it personally. You know, like, so emotionally, I feel, even though I didn't know you back then, emotionally, I feel like you have come so far yeah. between those two processes. And I don't think you truly recognise how far you've actually come. Yeah, I mean, I think it helps the fact that I now have you. I was on my own before. Um, and the fact that Matt is so open, the fact that you're so open, and we're so open, before before this even happened, I think we, as Matt touched on earlier, we've both been through a lot, and well, that teaches you. Our first date 
What was our yeah. first date? Our first date comprised of you and me yeah. telling each other... All uh, the skeletons. Uh, all in the our skeletons. <laughs> it was just like, yeah. I've had this person, this person, this person, this person. Oh, well, I've had this person, this person, this person. Yeah. It was like, narcissist, addict, controlling, this, that, this, sexual abuse, this, this. You know, we, we divulged everything between each other in our first date. Oh, yeah, there were no secrets. No. Um, but that's carried on since that first date and we are so but open what a shit first date conversation <laughs> eh? can you imagine that going to a first date and going tell me about all your yeah. worst shit <laughs> it just happened like it wasn't I like I said I'm not a talker you I felt mean, comfortable though didn't you yeah it? it was just comfortable I was tired as fuck yeah you were yawning you the you, whole way through you had your wisdom too far yeah. you didn't even want to be there you are going to cancel <laughs> so I thought fuck it we're just going to turn up and we're going to tell each other everything yeah and then if that doesn't scare him off we'll see how a second date goes <laughs> um, you shouldn't have turned up looking so pretty should yeah. you yeah <laughs> it was the trainers I'm sure um, Pink suede Nike Air Max but yeah I, the fact that I've had Matt to talk to through this process has helped me deal with it better so before I didn't have that sounding board um, my family weren't especially approving of um, Lee so it I didn't feel like I had anyone that I could openly talk to about how I was feeling whereas this time round I do have that Um we are we're so open with each other um so open just just so open like if i'm having a bad day if i come home Matt says, oh, how, you, how was your day and i say actually do you know what it was a bit shit i've been a bit low today whereas you know i know so many couples that will just go oh yeah it was fine and then you're stuck because you don't you know somebody might have been a bit off or a bit short or a bit sharp with a conversation that day and then you've got no idea why whereas if I'm a bit short or I'm a bit sharp Matt knows why it's because I've I've been something's happened or I've been stressed or I've been low or whatever and so we have a bit more and it, it happens it's, it happens the other way around too so Matt can get equally as short yeah, and sharp definitely. with me I mean like somebody can talk to me about something at work and they'll talk about their kid or something and I'll instantly taken into the mental state of I miss my daughter because obviously being divorced from the mother of my child I don't see her as much as I want to yeah. and that and that plays a lot on my mind I miss my daughter so much and that's a massive trigger for me and somebody can say something at work and I don't even realise and I'll get home and I'll be in a mood and Kate will be like you're right and I'll be like actually no somebody said something about this earlier today <laughs> and I can just feel open to talk about it I don't yeah. have to try and hide it and try and pretend that I'm happy or that I'm someone that I'm not just to appease you. I can just go, no, this is my shit, hear it. And you'll be like, oh, fuck, babe, I understand that. Yeah. And I'm sorry you feel that way. And yeah. it, it instantly dissolves how I feel. It doesn't fix how I feel, but it dissolves how I feel in the atmosphere. It makes me feel comfortable to be able to feel that way. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, and it's like with, it can be something trivial. Like, I get incredibly stressed when I'm at work and I'm busy and if Matt rings me at the wrong time, I will spam. What? What? Are you what? ringing for a reason? Okay. <laughs> are you ringing for a reason, or are you just ringing to talk? Because I'm really busy. <laughs> um, but he he knows because I'm open, and and actually I will I will I will say always. I say ninety nine percent of the time I will apologise if I. No, I'm quite were. good at. Uh, you are. Ex- You're very good at recognising yeah. when you've you, you've acted out not act out of line but I've been ta- off ta- taken yeah. something else out on me yeah and you'll recognise that and you and you will apologise for it and you'll say look sorry babe I didn't mean to act like that 
I was thinking about this because this has happened, you know. And, and then I, he just he's just like, oh, okay, that's fine. And then, yeah, that's done. But I think um, that's something that's very different about, definitely different for me about our relationship is, I've learned a lot from the past and I've learned to recognise that actually just because you're in a mood, it doesn't mean it's about me. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's about me. There could be something else going on in your life that doesn't involve me that could have put you in this mood and actually I need to take a step back and be that supportive arm for you yeah and not be like oh my god what have I done wrong why is she in a mood for me yeah you know, and I, I think a lot of people would be able to relate to that because they'd have been in relationships where they haven't necessarily got the love or attention or you know you know um well just attention that they thought they deserved and they've gone oh what the fuck have I done wrong yeah tell well, me yeah why, no why are you in a mood with me no tell me why are you in a mood with me but actually, they're not in a mood with you. Yeah. But you being like that is going to put them in a mood with you. Yeah. It's going to make things ten times worse. But I think the fact that we are so open means that we know it's not personal. Because if it is personal, we'll talk to each other about it. So if yeah. I do have an issue with anything anything in our relationship or with Matt or whatever, it doesn't fester because we address it. Yeah. We talk about it. So if he rings me at the wrong time and I'm snappy he knows that it's not because of anything he's done because if it was I would have bloody well told him um, and it's I also both think ways. as well we're, we're so aligned with each other and this is going to sound really soppy and fucking cliche cheese but we all have a cheese board don't we babe we do <laughs> I don't think there's ever going to be a situation where I think I ring you or anything like that and something is up in our relationship. No. Because I know I know that you're never going to do me wrong and I know you're not going to do me wrong. Yeah. And I think that's a comfortable position that most people don't ever achieve. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think we're quite... Like, something we've said since the start, like, we always look at each other and say, I can't believe how lucky I am. Yeah. You know, like, we, we have told each other our darkest demons. Yeah, I mean, you would think that considering the fact that my ex-husband cheated on me three times... Um, that I would have some level of trust issue trust yeah issue with trust or jealousy or something but I don't like I've got to a a point in my life where if somebody's going to cheat they're going to cheat and it doesn't matter what I do or what I think so I don't think that really portrays our relationship in the best way. Why? Because I think you know I'm not going to Oh, no, absolutely. I do know that. Yeah, completely I know that. Yeah, I do know that. But what I'm saying is, before I met you, I had already got myself to a point where, actually, I've learned that no amount of worrying about what other people do is ever going to change what they're going to do. But I think in in the whole time since the passing of Lee until me... I don't think you ever had anything that was truly meaningful and ever going anywhere oh, because no. of that reason. No, so I destroyed all of my relationships after Lee in the six years, well, six and a half years before I met Matt um, because I never wanted to get to a point where I was emotionally... Where you could be hurt. Yeah, I never wanted to get to a point where I was emotionally invested enough to get hurt. So if it was ever going to get to a point where I was involved or invested enough to get hurt, I would run I would cut ties because I never I didn't ever want to be hurt in the way that I'd been hurt before and, and let's be honest when we first met neither of us wanted to get invested oh, no. in, like emotionally invested no. enough to I'd get been, hurt, I had been on Tinder for six years 
<laughs> six, yeah, six years. I completed it. I don't know how many times. Um, I mean, to be fair, I've been I've been on it for seven days and got married twice. I think I completed it more than you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, but yeah, I probably I in that time I probably went on a hundred dates. Um, I met so many people so many interesting people that actually I'm still friends with quite a few of them um I had a, I had a nice time but I never I would never allow myself to open up enough for it ever to be any more than just a few dates and a few drinks and any more than that and it would get scary because I was I have I did have abandonment issues so Jazz's biological dad left me when I was six months pregnant with her um I was 19 years old when I fell pregnant I never wanted to be a mum I'm not I I wouldn't consider myself to be a maternal person um my life is animals always has been horses growing up and now dogs um I'd, I'd never it was never a life goal for me to have children um and that's I've I've only got one I've only got Jazz and I would not change her for the world I'll say that now I would not change her for the all the tea in China I adore that kid um but we had a rocky we had a rocky road so with that in mind obviously I know how fucking great we are and we've got married and things are fucking brilliant but if that was your sort of mentality can I ask you what was different about when you and me met you made me feel safe yeah you made me feel safe I felt safe enough to let my barriers down I don't know <laughs> I mean I can't I can't explain it to you I never want I never if you speak to anyone well, any of the people me that I know first met, you didn't want to be with somebody that you saw more than a couple of times a week you never wanted yeah. to share your flat no so I know. went away to Turkey with my friend in April and we had a lengthy conversation because she was also single at the time she's also now engaged to be married um but we had a lengthy conversation at the time about how we never she's been married before as well and we never ever wanted to get married again we didn't want to commit we didn't want um yeah we didn't even want to live with anyone we just wanted to find someone that we could spend a couple of nights a week with have a bit of a cuddle watch some telly like just a bit of comfort. Um, marriage was off the cards. Completely off the cards. I never ever wanted to get married again. Um, and then I met Matt. <laughs> I'm not being funny. I've been married twice before. I never wanted to get married again. I... I mean, you know, I, I only went on Tinder because I got through a stage of finding myself and being happy on my own. And I was just like, oh, fancy a bit of companionship. And literally, I was looking for the similar sort of thing that you were looking to, like one or two nights a week, just hang out with someone. You know, I was happy in my house, like, have my own space, could do what I want, walk around naked whenever I want, fart whenever I want, which I can do in this marriage too, because she needs me. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, it, it just, ch it, like, I, I don't know, it just, it changed. Yeah. It just changed. And that sounds so cliche, but it did. It like, did. It's like, when you know, you know. Yeah. When you know, you know. And I knew on the second date. Yeah, because you didn't go until Sunday and we went no, out I on didn't. Friday. No, I didn't. 
I will just interject and say I was very gentlemanly. He was. Those two nights, very gentlemanly. <laughs> Maybe that's why she came back. At least the first <laughs> night, anyway. Um. We did not have sex the second night. <laughs> we'll argue about that later. Um. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yes, we went out on the Friday... Uh, Matt texted me and said, "What are you doing on Friday?" And I said, "I don't know. What am I doing on Friday?" So what are you doing on Friday? At eight? What are you doing tomorrow? Yeah, I did Friday at eight, and I said, "I don't know. What am I doing on Friday at eight? And um, I'd previously mentioned that I wanted to go and watch the new Elvis film. Have you seen it yet? No, I haven't. <laughs> funnily enough, um, so Paid he for tickets, mind. Yeah, so he booked tickets for us to go and see Elvis, and um, I'd already been out for cocktails with my friend in Bath. Um, on the afternoon and I said oh I'm going out for a couple of cocktails but yeah I'll meet you at um, Revo which is a pub in Chippenham cocktail bar in Chippenham Um, and then we can go and watch Elvis so I met him there walked in I was I'd already had a couple of cocktails by this point Um, but yeah we just smiled at each other and at that point I knew so did I (laughs) Like it's ridiculous. It sounds, sounds insane. Stupid, doesn't it? Yes, it sounds insane. If anyone was saying that to me, I'd be going, "That's just ridiculous. You can't possibly know." But I just knew. And anyway, we just we didn't go and watch Elvis. We just drank cocktails all night and went dancing. And then went back to mine, played went, cards. All yeah, night, we did. Chatted. Yeah, and then you, I you went home on a Saturday. Like we literally chatted, went to bed and had a cuddle. Yeah, like six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Then you went home. <laughs> I went home for a couple of hours. I found, I found out you at your friend's house, which is like a five-minute walk from mine. I was so, like, yeah, my daughter had gone to the cinema with her friends, so I'd gone round to see my friends who lived around the corner from Matt, and um, he texted me, saying, oh, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm at my friend's, around the corner from you, um, and sent him a photo of Steve, my, well, our now, miniature poodle, and uh, I said, Steve wants to meet you, and so he was like, I'll be there in ten minutes. So then he came round and... So Steve, and then yeah, my daughter ended up staying at my mum and dad's house. So but, I. But you then went home though, didn't you? I did go home, yeah. yeah. And, and then, then I we I got a message off you saying I was childless tonight. And I was like, ah, oh. something along the lines of like, oh, what are you doing then? And you were like, oh, do you mind if I come and turn up at your door with my dog in pajamas? <laughs> Yeah, so it was nine o'clock at night, and that's what I did. I went back with my dog and you know in what? my pajamas. I'm gonna be honest with you, babe. It was at that point that I 100% madly and truly fell head over heels <laughs> for Steve because he is the most beautiful little dog in the world. He came into my life that night. I'd never met him apart from at your friend's house a few hours earlier, and we just clicked. That was it. Me and Steve were one, and I think at that point you knew there was no getting rid of me. Yeah, so Steve's pretty special. He is the most special dog in the world. He is pretty special. I mean, he's special in all kinds of respect. (laughs) He's beautiful. He's very intelligent, but he's also... Incredibly stupid. So stupid. He has fluff for brains. (laughs) He definitely has fluff for brains. I mean, Um, the best way to describe Steve is, you know when a kid has like a comfort blanket or comfort toy? Dogs don't do that shit, but Steve has this penguin... (laughs) He, he will, lives for his penguin. He will get anxious around the house, running around, scatty if he can't find this penguin. Yeah. It's his portable pillow. He takes it everywhere. Um, he loves his In penguin. In fact, I'm going to upload a picture of Steve cuddling that pillow. Penguin, and, yeah. Peng, <laughs> penguin as a pillow as the front cover for this podcast. Yeah. 
Um, so yes, anyway. So then about a week later, I mean, we saw each other every day after that. Um, about a week later, Matt presented me with a key to his house. Um, <laughs> Just made sense. Yeah. I mean, I was there all the time anyway. Um, then we had the most weirdest hot tub experience. I mean, who does that? We created a paddling pool in the garden. For, we did. For me, Katie and Jazz, Katie's daughter, my now stepdaughter. And it was getting cold. So we made it an outdoor bubble bath, basically. Basically, we realised that actually my hose attachment was attached to the kitchen tap. Yeah. We could run the hot water tank. Yeah. So we filled it with Radox and hot water. We did. And we had an outdoor bubble bath and it was great. In the stars, wasn't it? It was amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, we've gone off track. What was I saying? It doesn't matter that we've gone off track. I mean, like, a part of this podcast was how you and me got together. Yeah. Because of the fact that we've been through so much and then we've come together after we've found ourselves yeah. and we've we've worked on ourselves and we've become different yes. people. Yeah, so it was the fact that I... Yeah. We... Never wanted to get married, never, never wanted, wanted to, to live get married again. Never yeah. wanted to live together again. Never live with anyone again. I mean, I had lived on my own with just my daughter and my dog for so long. Um, and I'll get onto dogs in a minute because they've been a massive part of my story too but um, yeah anyway here we are five months later married living together <laughs> and, an, ex, an extra child naked. each <laughs> we're not naked no we're not <laughs> we're not um, but yeah we have an extra child each yeah we have we have one extra yeah. child each yeah um and I have become much more maternal, I would just like to say. <laughs> so although I was not maternal to begin with, with Jazz, with my daughter, um, she has made me a mum. You are fantastic with my daughter, and I, I will give you praise for that. You've, Thanks. I love watching you <laughs> together. It's so beautiful. You, know, like, you, you have every reason to be standoffish and, and take a stand back from that because of everything that I've got going on in my life. Yeah. But you don't, you embrace it. And she well, embraces it. Because it's not what's well. going on in your life anymore, is it? It's no. what's going on in our lives. But you, you've embraced it so well, and, and, and you and Abby get on so well. And I, I could just, I get limited time with her, but I would happily spend that time just watching you two. <laughs> it's so beautiful. I love it. I really do. I mean, she's an easy kid to love. So she is, and she's she is great an easy kid. kid but similarly with Jazz, she's such a great girl. Yeah, so such a great girl. You've there's a there's a huge, pretty huge age gap. So Jazz is fifteen, um, Abby's three and a half, three and three quarters. Yeah, she'll be four in March. Yeah, so um, there's a pretty big age gap between them. They're so cute together. But they are super cute together. So Abby absolutely adores Jazz, and the first thing she wants to do when she comes in is to wake Jazz up. So Jazz typical teenager is normally in bed when we get back with Abby after having picked her up um, but she does also have a pub job so she she collects glasses in a pub so she's out pretty late on a Friday and Saturday night so we can let her off for still being in bed at 11 o'clock in the morning um, but the first thing Abby wants to do when she comes in is go and wake Jazzy up and then <laughs> anything she does after that she's like Jazzy, Jazzy look what I've done I go show Jazzy, I go yeah. show Jazzy um, although she can't call she doesn't call her Jazzy because she can't say it it's, it's yeah. Daz Daz. Dazzy. Dazzy. Bless her. So yeah, but anyway, their relationship's really cute. But um, yeah, there's there's a pretty huge, pretty big age gap between them. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a good age gap because it, you know, like me and my brother was five years 
and we were so disconnected from each other like I found out stuff about my brother in my 20s from his school years that I didn't have a, a, a fucking clue about yeah and I'd agree with that so my sister is 11 years older than me and actually she was so involved in my childhood because I looked up to her so much because she was so much older um, and she she did a lot of the parenting for me sorry Steve's just done a massive verb <laughs> <laughs> don't know whether you'll be able to hear it but it was quite funny um but yeah my sister did a lot of um my parenting when I was younger because we spent so much time together because we both had we both had horses um so I would be at the yard with her a lot of the time um so yeah I mean if they can have any sort of relationship like my sister and I have got um then that'll be great because my sister yeah I adore my sister my sister's like a second mum to me um and I, I think they will. I mean, the, the way they've got on in such a short, short space of time. Yeah. You know, when we were doing the decorations the other day. Yeah, it was very cute. The, uh, it was so cute. It was very so, cute. So, so cute. And, like, Avi's just coming up four, so she's still pretty young, but she understands that ja- Dazzy is her sister, <laughs> and she loves that, and she's like, I just want to show off to her. Yeah. It's, it's so cute. It is really it is cute. It's so cute. They're very sweet together. They are very, very cute together. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so that is our story, pretty much. I mean, that that's your story that led into our story. Yeah, I mean that's that's <laughs> that's some of it. I mean, there's there's a lot more. There's, there, there's always a lot lot more. Yeah. I mean, like that first podcast I ever did with Jack Williams. Check his podcast out. Be more podcast. Really, really good. But after I featured on his podcast, and my dad messaged me and he said, "You could do another ten one-hour episodes." on your story you miss so much out and Mm. I think when people do tell their story they give that brief overview that they have in the forefront of their mind yeah you know and there there is always so much more there is but you can't always get that out in one no you can't and you know maybe in a few months time you and me will do a podcast again together and you go (laughs) I want to concentrate on this area because I think this could have some real value depends how many gins you give me first well, I mean, I, I mean, Matt first mentioned us doing a podcast together. I think in the first week that we met, um, and I've just, I've only just agreed to it. But well, to be fair, I'd, I'd started my podcast journey about three or four months before me and Katie met. This is now my fifth episode, and I've released them weekly. Yeah. So it's taken me a long time. I record a lot of hours of podcasts that I will never release because they're too raw. They're not the vibe I wanted to go down. But I was on the journey of... And they were very different to this. It was more like journaling, but it was speaking. More, yeah, it, 100%. It was it was me giving myself a counselling lesson. Yeah. A session, sorry. You know, and I, I even said in the, in the episode that I was going to release this week, which I'm not going to, as I explained at the start, um, I even said that f- for me, as much as I'm doing podcasting because... I want to help at least one person question whether or not they're doing the right thing in wanting to take their life or or anything like that. That's what I want to achieve. But also for me, doing this is a therapy session for me. Yeah. And I hope that other people listen to that, whether that be male, female, or whatever. I hope they understand that just talking, whether that's talking to yourself journaling writing down anything just anything to get your feelings off your chest 
and get them out there. Yeah, so is we're a quite form of therapy. We're quite dif- different in that you do this. Yeah, I write. So that's my thing is that I write. I normally write it and delete it, but the fact that I've written it and it's out of my head helps me. But it's massive. That's massive. My dad is such a reactor to people's Facebook comments. Yeah. And my dad will be like, oh, I need to say this. <laughs> and he'll type it, and instead of being that person that looks silly on the internet, yeah. he'll delete it. But he's got it off his chest. Yes. And it's massive. And it, it, whether you're writing, whether you're you're speaking, whether you're just recording, anything you're doing Any to get outlet it off your chest. is good. Is, you is, need to find your outlet. Yeah. Everyone needs an outlet. And for some people, that is going for a walk and they'll quieten their thoughts or they'll process their thoughts some people will go to the gym and they'll work out their whatever's in their head I write you talk you also do gym and and stuff and everybody everybody needs something they do so everybody needs something and I think something that is very different between me and you is obviously you spoke about your dad being in the police and whatnot and the, the sort of upbringing that you had that was very different to it was sheltered, sheltered. it was sheltered dad so, protected me from a so, lot so one of the things you won't be able to relate to that I can relate to which I can tell to everyone else is don't escape yeah don't escape because I, I have drunk and taken drugs to escape and what that did was it just pushed the thoughts further away yeah didn't and I, deal with them yeah and I did do that but I did it in a very different way yeah. to the way that you did it and I did it with work so actually after after Lee died in 2016 I struggled a lot with my work so I was in quite a senior position um I had quite a lot of people um reporting well I was I was managing a company um and I couldn't function and I managed to tread water enough to make it seem like I was functioning but actually underneath it all everything was crumbling Um, and it wasn't until I was unfortunately hospitalized in uh, 2018 um, with a back injury I was I got put I was in hospital for five days um, with a back injury and it was only at that point when um, the owner of the company had to then take over my role that she realised that uh, it was just all it was yeah it was all surface level so everything that I was doing was surface level everything underneath that was falling apart and that was because I was struggling to function um, uh, ultimately I lost my job um, and I had never been unemployed I've worked since I was 13 years old I had never been unemployed um, I had my daughter support to support it was a really scary prospect for me to be unemployed and I didn't quite know what to do um and so initially I went to work in a um call center because I was like do you know what I just need to strip this all the way back and just go to um somebody point you do yeah just mindless work just something completely mindless that I didn't have to think about but actually because I had previously managed call centres I didn't realise how difficult it was going to be to sit back and be managed in a way that I didn't think was right or right for the team that I was in I felt like they were very unfair in in what they were asking for and I I was very vocal about that um, having been in a position that I'd been in I think that's almost like a self-defence mechanism because you knew the level you were able to to be at and to step back and 
just be told what to do mm, no see I don't agree with that so my reason for my reason for being so vocal about how we were expected to perform was because it was unfair we were set okay. targets that were not achievable and I'm not the sort of person that can just sit back and go do you know what we just got to do it yeah. I'm the sort of person that will speak up and go you're asking is in, in, is unfair it's not achievable we can't do this yeah. and anyway that resulted in me being escorted off the premises because <laughs> um, yeah I um, I mean to be fair it, it's far better to set we can do this in two weeks achieve it in ten and beat it not go we can achieve this in, week, in a week and fail yeah yeah, yeah. and I, I having managed call centres it for me was just completely the reason that it, that that they did that was because then they didn't have to pay the commission that they were supposed to be paying and everyone would just be on their base level salary which nobody could actually live on because it was ridiculous um but the the goals were so un saying that the money man was just making more money <laughs> maybe a little bit <laughs> um, but the goals were so unobtainable and i was the, i was the person that spoke up about that and they didn't like it so anyway i ended up being i uh, being fired for that job and being escorted off the premises which was fun um but yes yeah, so after that i was then like oh my god what do i do with my life i'm i i can't be unemployed um i found myself at the job center and on benefits for the first time in my life because i i, I literally didn't know what to do um and so um babe steve's got his penguin stuck um sorry the dog's got his penguin stuck and he's having a fit um so i put a message on facebook um i love facebook i put a message on facebook which said um what just can't continue talking all oh, right um yeah so i put a message on facebook um that just said basically like i need a job i need work i don't care what it is i'll clean i'll do i'll work with animals i've worked with i'd worked with horses before um i i don't really care what it is i'll just i'll work um and friend of mine um well she wasn't a friend at the time she was somebody that i'd just known um for years just an acquaintance um came to me and said I could do with a hand in my dog grooming salon um bathing dogs and I was like I am there so um on my first day we had a great big um old Newfoundland in and I groomed him so the first dog I ever groomed with was a Newfoundland and I just fell in love with it absolutely fell in love with it and I thought you know what I do not want to do anything else for the rest of my life um and so I continued going and continued working with her um for a couple of months and then uh learned enough that I set up my own business still working in her salon um under her under her guidance but set my own business up um and now here I am four years later and I've got my own salon I've got lovely clients I love my clients to bits the dogs are incredible and it is my it's my sanctuary like my salon is my sanctuary I can go into that salon feeling any kind of way and within a matter of hours my thoughts are quiet and I'm just with the dogs doing what I love and it I think to a degree it saved me because I, d I don't know where I would be now if I didn't have grooming if I didn't have my job it is not just my job it is my passion I adore it um Matt came to work with me today for the first time um groomed a labradoodle and a 
great big German Shepherd dog. Um, Dad, a bite history. Yeah, and he didn't buy me. Got to see me work. Do you know? What? I said to you on the way home, didn't I? I, I was so happy to be able to see you working in your environment, doing something that you love. Like I've I've seen the end product of what you do. I've seen the pictures of the, of the dogs that you yeah. groom which is one thing, but to be there and watch you grooming a dog and doing something that you love and something you take so much pride in, it, it was such a proud moment for me. And as, I mean, you, you take the make out of me for being a geek and listening to all these podcasts. <laughs> and one of the things I've got from a lot of the podcasts I listen to is, take yourself out of the rat race and do what makes you happy. Yeah. And you're one of those people, you've done that. Like you've got yourself into a position that you only need to work Monday to Thursday. You can choose the dogs that you do. Yeah. And you can choose the timings that you want to do those dogs. Yeah. In those four days. Because yeah. you found something that you've loved that you love. You found something that you get something from. Yeah. You can make enough money from it to do what you want to do that makes you happy. Yeah. Without putting yourself under any under any unreasonable stress or strain. Yeah. You have broke the system. You, and you laugh, but yeah. you know, like I, I've told you about, like listening to James Smith, Joe Rogan, people like this. They've all broke the system. They're now doing what they want to do on the time scale they want to do it yeah. when they want to do it. Yeah. And you've done that. I do, and, and, and I'm. You, you go to work four days a week. <laughs> I work my fucking nuts off. I've gone from an apprentice up to a project manager, and you earn the same money as me. <laughs> By doing four days a week on reduced hours, doing something that you love. And that, yeah. that is something to be majorly proud of. I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong, I love my job, I do. But you've broke the system. Yeah, but the reason that I can <coughs> I can do that, and the reason that I can work four days a week and earn enough money to be comfortable, is because I do, I, yeah, it's because it's not my job, it's my passion. Yeah, and that's why I, I mean. love broke it. the system. Yeah, and so because I love it, the owners love me because I love their dogs, and that's all you want. If you've got dogs, you'll understand. They're like they're like kids. Like you, you do anything the for them. They, yeah, you adore them. Like, and you want them to be looked after. And I think the fact that you know Splitting. I take time to know them and understand them and and just love them. The, well, the Teddy, owners love Teddy, it. Teddy today, the dog yeah. that I came in and helped groom. He'd been turned down by multiple groomers because he had a history. Yeah, and he's he's a big dog. Like groomers don't big, take big on big dog. dogs because they're a risk. He's they're a, a risk to our career. Um, but actually, if you take the time to know them and understand them, like I know Teddy, like he will tell me off. Like if he doesn't like it, yeah. If, if there's something he doesn't like, he'll let me know. But I know him well enough to be able to read him, so I know when I need to stop and I know when I can push and. Yeah, we, we have an understanding, <laughs> Teddy but, and but, I. But also, I think the difference between you and... I mean, I don't know any other groomers. I've met a few of your groomer friends, but in general, I don't know a lot of other groomers. But one thing I could tell from the way you were with Teddy today, not only did you respect the fact that he's got a history, what you've done is you've adopt, uh, adapted yourself to the fact that this dog has a personality and you have to treat him within that personality yeah you can't just treat him like a conveyor oh, belt oh god yeah. yeah no dog is the same no. and that's what that's one of the things I love about my job is the variety so yes I go to work every day and yes I groom dogs every day four but, days a week <laughs> okay four days a week but, but yes I do that but every single dog that I groom is has its 
they have their own personality and you have to you have to treat them in a different way so there are some dogs that you can just they love it they love being pampered and they love being groomed and they love the attention there are other dogs that you have to be a bit careful with because there's only so much they will tolerate um and you you learn over the time that you groom them how how to work with them and there are some dogs like i've got one dog on my books that the first time i groomed her it took four sessions took four sessions just to get her coat clipped off because she was petrified um she hated being groomed and she was a danger not just to us but to herself and so there was only so far i could push her every time so it took four visits to me with her owners who stuck with it um whereas now she comes in wagging tail happy to see me jumps on the table yes we still have to muzzle her but that's for safety because she can just turn um but the amount of times that she tries to snap now compared to when i first started grooming her i mean we're talking like once or twice during a groom now um and that's only if i get it wrong so i'll i'll push her where maybe i shouldn't do um but it's necessary because certain dogs you have to get their coat off you have to it's it's detrimental to them if you don't um but now we can do it in one session do you know what i found really poignant about that last five minutes what how you've taken the time to learn all the different dogs personalities to be able to adapt to be the person that you can be to be the best for them yeah and i think that's something that people could really take away from that and adopt just into everyday life every single person is different and you have to treat them different and learn them yeah you do and i think a, lo- a lot of the things that arise from mental health these days is for example you go into that call center yeah and you were all just being treated in a way that you had to achieve this had to achieve oh that. yeah you would you weren't being treated as individuals yeah. to get the best out of you and that has a detrimental effect because not everybody can be taught or not everybody can learn or not everyone can progress in the same way but all very very different yeah and that's something that i think you learn like you learn if you're open to learning it through general life like before but if, you, if you're running a business like a call center surely that should be a fundamental oh thing it should be you, you absolutely have. yeah but i think people's different to yeah. get the best out of everyone you've got to treat them different but people lose that individuality so when, when yeah when money is involved and when you're running big big operations like that you lose that individuality you can't you you put a blanket a blanket on I everybody certain, i think certain people do i mean you know I, i've been a, uh, an ME site manager for six years before stepping up to project manager there's been times where i've run 40 guys in multiple trades but i've had to treat every single one of them different to get the best out of them yeah but that's because you are who you are whereas if you're target driven if you're if you're purely target driven you have to meet those targets and unfortunately that's the that's the pressure that's put on you from but, but ultimately there's somebody at the top yeah, that's but, the pressure that's put on you from up but, above. Yeah, but like, they're the person that's money-driven to yeah. make the most money. Yeah, So totally. surely if that person understood that everybody was individually yeah. driven... <laughs> but they, they could, don't. They could get more out of every single person. Yeah. They could put less pressure on every single person. Yeah. And there'd be less pay- people in the workforce with mental health issues. Yeah. How many people these days go off with stress? Yeah, yeah. And why do they go off with stress? Because their company has a policy yeah. that is driven towards Absolutely. one sort of... Even as far as education. Yeah. Education is only aimed at one sort of person. That's the academic. Academic, yeah. Yeah. You know, and if people And you can realize, be skilled in so many other ways. Yeah, so you, know, you don't have to be academic. I'm not academic. I don't have 
You're, I, you're not academic, but you earn the money of somebody that's got a 20-year career yeah, behind I, them. Yeah, I don't have an education. I, unfortunately, was bullied pretty badly when I was at school, and I didn't do I didn't do most of school. Um, I was escorted to and from my exams. I didn't get anything higher than a C, and I think I only got one C. Everything else was below that. Um, but here I am, and I've done all right for myself. So actually, and that's one thing that I try and instill in my daughter is that you know, you don't have to be academically clever. There are so many other ways that you can achieve in life without being academic. Um, so, yeah, but, yeah, it's something that you, you you do, I think most people learn during over life is that everybody is an individual and you have to treat everybody differently. So how I talk to one client won't necessarily ha- be how I talk to another client. Um, because you read them you read their language you read the way you read the way that you talk to the they talk to you and you respond and you match that and you respond in that way um I've got some friends that I can I know that I can say anything to and that's okay and I've got other friends that are kind of like surface level friends that I won't necessarily be quite so open with but you you need to manage relationships and read relationships and that's part of life and you'll do that throughout your whole life. Yeah, 100% you will, but I, I think that's what would make, or does make you as a business owner very different to other people. If you were to have employees underneath you, whilst you would be driven by the fact you want your business to do well, you know that getting the most money for your business would come from giving your your employees the best environment for them to work to, Yeah. and you would treat them all as individuals. Yeah. You know, and, and the workplace doesn't do that. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. No. I mean, I, I'm i actually very fortunate. Like, the company I'm working with now is very different. They're, they're, they've come from a, a good sort of ethos of that, and I work with people that I know and I trust and I know that I can rely on and talk to. But there's so many companies out there, like the call centre that you work for. Mm. I've worked for a call centre before. I've worked for other construction companies that are very target-driven and... You just made to feel like a number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you don't matter as long as you yeah. turn up and you sit at your desk and you do your job. That is all that matters. I, I think every everybody's probably seen that meme that if you die today, your company will oh, replace yeah. you within seven days. Yeah, you you are irreplaceable. You're, you're you are irreplaceable. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it, it, it's a sad scenario that we live in, but I think people can take great value from the fact that actually. Jobs don't actually... Uh, hold on. Let me rephrase that. People can take great value from the fact that they are worth something. Yeah. And what people need to realise is that job doesn't actually mean anything. It's not the be-all and end-all. You are the be-all and end-all. Yeah. Don't take that home with you. Yes. It's very easier said than done. Oh, yeah. So massively, massively. So much easier said than done. And that's one of the reasons I was so glad to get out of... So I was in senior management for quite a long time. And How many I times did you wake take... up at two in the morning oh, thinking about Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and it wasn't just waking up at two in the morning. Sometimes I would have, have conference calls at two in the morning because some but, of my... But why should, we, why should people be doing that? You work 40 hours a week. Yeah. Why should you be... Breaking the... me back. Yeah. yeah. Why should you? Yeah. You work 40 hours a week to live the other 120. Yeah. Yeah, whereas now I can honestly say... Sorry, 168. <laughs> let's not do maths. Um, <laughs> I do words, he does maths. Um, so I can put my hand on my heart and say that I genuinely enjoy my job. 
I get up in the morning and I go to work and I don't dread it because I'm, and a, lo- a lot of that is because I have made my business work for me so my clients are my clients because I want them to be my clients yeah. I don't you know I don't I'm not forced into anything you, yeah if, I've if, never if, wanted to be what I call a conveyor belt groomer so the groomers that will take on everything um they'll groom anything and it's in and out and that's never been my way and I think that's what makes me different to a lot of other groomers is that I am actually in it for the right reason I'm in it for the dogs um you're not blinded by money no I'm not blinded by money I'll quite happily turn a dog down you could quite easily triple your annual income but you don't because you'd rather give a good service, have a good reputation yeah. and enjoy what you do. Yeah, and the reason that I only work four days a week, as my experience today, is because my job is tough. My job is hard. It is hard work. It's not just physically hard work. It's mentally hard work because you have to be on the ball 100% of the time because you are working with a live animal and sharp scissors and blades. Sharp teeth and claws. Sharp teeth and claws. And strong... I'm not being funny, but a dog that's 15, 20 kilograms has the strength of an 80 kg fully grown adult. Yeah. They really do. Yeah, they do. Um, They're so twisty and windy and... It's hard work. It is hard work physically as well, but it's also mentally demanding because if you've got a dog that doesn't particularly like something, you need to try and get that done safely. So you've got a dog that doesn't like having its having scissors near its face and you've got to get scissors near its face but if it turns its head too bloody quickly then you've got an eye out and then that's on you um and not only that if you shy away from the fact that they need that done you're going to give that dog back not looking in the best that it could look it's not, not that it's not looking in the best that so it's never for me it's never about vanity no but so what, although what, what i do I mean like if, if you can achieve what you needed to achieve yeah you're going to give that back to the the owner and they're yeah. going to think oh they couldn't do what they said they could do yeah but it's yeah so one of the things that one of my the ethos one of the things that i run my salon is that it's it's humanity over vanity so if something is going to put if something if an owner wants me to make a dog look nice but that dog doesn't like the grooming process and it's not in their best interest to have the haircut that the owner wants it to have i will bloody well stand up and say i'm not going to do that because the dog doesn't like it and it's not in its best interest and i think that's what sets you apart from other businesses because you will have that honesty yeah. and that clarity with the owner, with, with the client. Yeah. And you can also then say, well, if you don't like it, that's Let's fine. Go somewhere else. Go somewhere yeah. else. And I do that quite often. <laughs> but you, you have that reputation to be able to do that. Yeah. You, you, you've, entered, you, you've entered groom and competitions. You've got a name for yourself. Yeah. People know how well you can groom a dog. Yeah. You don't have to take 10 dogs a day just doing a quick wash and snip. No. for the sake of money you can go no I'm going to take three dogs or four dogs a day I'm going to do a bloody good job of them and I'm going to give the owners what they want and give the dog a nice experience yes it's about giving the dog a nice experience yeah absolutely so yeah I mean I could have got Nelly and Teddy done so much faster today if I hadn't stopped every ten minutes to give them a kiss and a cuddle like but that's the enjoyment <laughs> of your job and yeah that's, and, that's and I don't want to lose that break the mold yeah. Because you enjoy well, your job yeah, and you take the time to enjoy your job. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I know I know that those two dogs in particular were different to other dogs because they have they have their problems. Yeah. 
but you still chose to groom them because you like the dogs, you want to give them the experience, you're good enough to do them and you yeah. know you can achieve what their owners want. And I worry, like, if I didn't do Teddy, who else would do him? Oh, like, he was so lush. I, he was so lush. But the chances are that if I, if I didn't do him, he wouldn't get groomed and then he'd be uncomfortable and, yeah. you know, and I have that on my conscience and then I feel bad. So I, I, he's not the easiest dog in the world and, yes, there is a risk that we're going to get bitten. that's why but, your salon's doing well and that's yeah. why your reputation is doing yeah. well. Anyway. Anyway, right. What, enough about the dogs. Enough about the dogs. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to ask you about three books that you think you know the three books, they're in that cupboard, they're by the same person. I'm going to ask you about three books that you think somebody could listen to or read that could have an impact on their life because they've had an impact on yours. Okay. So anything by Eckhart Tolle. Yeah. Um, I read Eckhart Tolle's books um, after Lee passed away, um, pretty much after I had my moment of profanity where I was like I need to get on with life and you only you only have now and you can't worry about what's happened or what's going to be because actually you have no control over the past or the future you only have now and the decisions that you make now are you have complete control over um so yeah he's got there's three very well-known books power of now um a new earth and the other one that I can't name, I can't remember what it's called, but there's three books. Um, and I think that everybody at some point in their life should read those three books. I haven't revisited them. I've only read them the once, but that was enough for me. Um, and the, the the biggest kind of thing that I took away from those books is that is that what I just said, like you you only have now. The decisions that you make now are the important ones. It doesn't matter about what you did yesterday or what you're going to do tomorrow because tomorrow hasn't happened and yesterday's gone. But you have now. So what you decide to do in this moment right now is the only thing that matters. Um, And you can choose to be sad about the past or you can choose to be anxious about the future. But they're out of your control they're gone or they're coming like you you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring um but yeah Eckhart Tolle he's I yeah I genuinely yeah. think anybody at some point in their life should read and them. yeah and you're not the first person to have mentioned Eckhart Tolle's books to me so I think that that's a real positive thing that you're actually the second person to have spoken about them yeah. and I think I personally need to go away and listen to them. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I, I know of Eckhart Tolle and I know of his work and I've read about his work but and I've heard about him in podcasts and I've, I've heard people speak about anecdotes in their podca- podcasts. I've not actually read the books myself. Yeah. Um, I do have a lot of books that I have read myself that I think are very poignant but for me, learning, expanding and becoming a better self is understanding what other people have found helpful, seeing their perspective, understanding their perspective and then growing. So... I 100% definitely want to read those books. You know I do. Well, they're in the... I know, but we've never bothered to lift the TV (laughs) and get them out, have we? So that's why I haven't read them. But at the the same time, are you going to read Mark Manson, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck? Well, I actually listened to it. You have? Last week, yeah. Did you? No, this week. Yeah, in the salon this week. Really? I did. I did. And what's Unconditional Love? Well, this is the thing. Because I was listening to it while I was grooming, I didn't tell you that I'd listened to it because I wasn't completely... It's not about giving a fuck about what your loved one gives a fuck about. It's giving a fuck about your loved one's fucks, regardless of the fucks they give. That's yeah. unconditional love, baby. <laughs> Mark Manson, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Yeah. Great book. So I also I need to listen to that one again because I was I was grooming dogs and, and my it, brain was somewhere else. But I have listened to it. 
if if you had to pick a podcast for anyone to listen to, <laughs> what would it be? Obviously, it would be yours. And what what's that? That's mental chat. Oh, thanks. <laughs> You're such a supporter. <laughs> I love you. What I will say is to anybody that does want to listen to any podcast to sort of help them. Joe Rogan speaks to some incredible people from all different walks of life and he's so impartial to what they have to say. You can find something on any subject with Joe Rogan and be able to listen to it and understand a different perspective. He is absolutely fantastic, especially anything with Jordan P. Peterson. He he has been controversial because of the way he went against academia, but he's also been proven right in everything that he's said and he's now got his online... Um, school and university in america where he he gives teachings very knowledgeable guy very very knowledgeable guy i'd also give a shout out to james smith pt as well his podcast massively helped me guy's an absolute legend um and also Ant middleton's new podcast ether hit some really hard subjects which have a massive effect on the way that we evolve as people today um he talks to the police. He t- he talks to, um, like uh, sexual uh, sexual assault victims, counsellors. He talks to politicians. Uh, he he talks to some absolutely fantastic people and ha- has a really good sort of perspective on the way that life is and understanding of how other people in professions are acting to try and help us today. Um. Any other books that you could think of, babe? No. I mean, I don't read and I don't listen to podcasts. So other than Eckhart Tolle's books, I haven't... Yeah, I haven't read anything else. But if you were going to do something with your time that didn't involve mental health, I would strongly recommend... It comes off on the in July next year. Go on to STV and watch Kingdom. Is it coming off? Yeah. We need good. to watch it again before so it comes S- off. So uh, Kingdom is an MMA TV series that follows... Um, an ex-MMA fighter that now owns his own gym and his two sons fight and whatnot. It sounds... It sounds, like, sounds terrible. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it doesn't sound but great. I've incredible. watched it three times and I made Matt watch it and he was absolutely hooked. Oh my God. And I am going to watch it a fourth time before it comes on absolutely STV. Absolutely insane. <laughs> it is up there. Sons of Anarchy is one of my best series and I'm Breaking gonna, Bad and it is up there. What have I got tattooed on my You own? have got the Reaper. From Sons of Anarchy. From Sons of Anarchy on, on your arm. Um, but thing. Kingdom as well. Yeah, it is awesome. So yeah, watch it. Yeah, hundred percent. Go and watch that, babe. You know what? I didn't think you were going to come on the podcast <laughs> podcast this soon. I'm so happy that you did. I mean, I know there was extenuating circumstances as to why you felt like you had to come on this early. And I thank you so much for being so supportive, not just as my wife, but as my best friend. And in what I'm doing with this podcast and coming on and helping me get this episode out, thank you so much. You really are the best. I love you. I love you too. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much. Uh, next week, I've got an ex... Well, not an ex. He is an army vet. Got an army vet on. Um, really, really excited to talk about him. We were supposed to climb Snowden last night. Weather conditions came in. He had to bail because of COVID anyway. But we're going to get it in before the new year. 100% we'll get the Snowden climb in before the new year. But I'm really excited to have him on. Um, so yeah, tune in. Thank you so much for listening. Please give it a like, a rating, give a comment. Please share it. Please help me get this message out there. Because I just want to help as many people as possible. Whether that's lads or girls or whatever. I just want to help everyone. Thanks very much. <laughs>